Andy Patton here, Locked On Zags. Today is Thursday, so another episode discussing listener-submitted hot takes. Plenty of discussion about what Gonzaga's recent performances mean for this team going forward, and my thoughts on how the NCAA tournament might shake out. All right here, Locked On Zags. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, ready to take you through another season of Gonzaga hoops. Today's episode is brought to you by On Location. On Location is the official hospitality partner of the NFL. It is the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Visit onlocationexp.com slash sb 56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. All right, I want to thank all of you for making this episode or this show your first listen of the day. And now for some of you, your first watch of the of the day. Those of you who have joined on YouTube, you can hit that subscribe button if you have not yet. I want to thank all of you for doing so. It is sincerely appreciated. Trying to grow this platform on both the podcast and the YouTube has been a really fun experience. And I know so many of you have helped out on both and I sincerely appreciate it. All right, today is Andy Locks. Like we said, it is a fun episode discussing listener-submitted hot takes. I grade them too hot, too cold, or just right. Too hot means that I think it's very, very unlikely to happen even among hot take standards. Just right is a good quality hot take. That doesn't necessarily mean I think it's going to happen. It means it's a possibility to happen. It means it's a quality hot take. And too cold means it's not much of a hot take. (laughs) It's too cold. It means that it's something that I think is very likely to happen or not particularly spicy. So we'll get right into it. Obviously, the Gonzaga's last couple of games have not gone extremely well. So I know some of you are a little fired up about that, but we're going to start with a positive note. My guy Kenny from Florida, his hot take, he says, we're going to win the national championship and look back at these two losses in April with gratitude. They have humbled the team and will relieve some of the pressure come March. Love it. Starting off right off the bat with this take. I appreciate it. You guys, it's got to be just right, right? I, I have to say just right. I don't think it's too hot to assume the Zags will win the national championship even after the loss to Duke and the loss to Alabama and the struggle against Tarleton State. This team is young. They have not played a lot of games together. This was a hot topic throughout the week. On my mailbag episode, my episode with Stephen Carr, if you have not heard that, go check it out. It's fantastic to talk to him again. I think it's very possible that this team still comes back and wins the national championship. If they do, almost certainly these games will be viewed favorably because they helped this team grow. They helped them mature. They helped potentially the coaching staff figure out some potential lineup and matchup changes that they want to make as they're still trying to kind of figure out this new group of, of guys as well. Next one comes from John. He says, Gonzaga goes 27-5 and entering the NCAA tournament as a two-seed. This is a take that John submitted recently. He's resubmitting it after Gonzaga's loss against Alabama, trying to determine if I have changed my mind on it. Uh, I'll say this is just right. I don't think that them going 20-3 and the rest of the way is out of the realm of possibility. I think they absolutely could do that. I think they could do better than that still. I don't think them losing to a top five team in the country and a top 15 borderline top 10 team in the country necessarily means that they're going to lose a bunch more games. I know that 
fandom is kind of the equivalent of we lose and the sky is falling, we win and everything is right with the world. And with Gonzaga, there has been so little losing over the last couple of years. It's a, a bit difficult to stomach, but just because they've lost some early season games to some extremely good teams does not mean that they're going to continue to lose. I do think that they're probably not going to go undefeated for the rest of the season because that's really hard to do, and we got spoiled by a team last year that went undefeated for 99.5% of the season. But yeah, I think 27-5 and is pretty reasonable. I think there's also a good chance that 27-5 and still gets you a one seed, in the West, so that's almost the part of this equation that I that I have more of a prickliness with. I don't think that Gonzaga is a two seed if they have five more losses. It depends, or three more losses. Excuse me. It depends where those losses come from. But you know, Purdue and Duke are not going to win out. I would be very surprised if that happens. They're probably still one seeds barring collapses by either team, but they're they're probably not going to win out. Then you have you know your mixture of. I don't think UCLA gets a one seed over Gonzaga. That would be very surprising to me. Texas wouldn't get that. So you're talking Kansas, Kentucky. You're talking Villanova, who also already has two losses. So they would have to exceed Gonzaga's amount of wins for the rest of the year, most likely. Obviously, Arizona's a challenger or USC is a challenger for Gonzaga's one seed in the West. But I don't think either of those teams are going to have five or less losses by the end of the season. I could be wrong about that, but I would be surprised. So I kind of think a 27-5 and Gonzaga team, depending where those other three losses come from, still has a fairly good chance to be a one seed. Next one comes from Christian. He says, one of these teams will win it all, if not the Zags. And his list is Purdue, Duke, or Baylor. Yes, I, this is this is borderline too cold. I think those are those are your favorites. Those are your four most favorite teams to win the national championship at this point. Gonzaga, Purdue, Duke, Baylor, at this point, probably your four one seeds or close to it, potentially. Baylor repeating after losing as much talent as they did would be an incredible story. We already know Scott Drew is a good coach, but that would be remarkable if they could re- if they could repeat after losing Macy Oteague and Mitchell and uh, Jared Butler. That's just an incredible group of guys. So we'll see if they're able to do that. Uh, but yeah, I think this is kind of the group that, that has the most likelihood of winning the national championship right now. All right, this next kind of section were all questions from John. He basically asked, uh, it, will Gonzaga miss the Sweet 16? Will they go on to the Elite Eight? Will they go on to the Final Four? Will they go to the championship and lose? Will they go to the championship and win? And kind of asked each of those in succession to kind of gauge where I think the Zags, kind of what I think is too hot or too cold regarding their NCAA tournament. So for starters, it's really hard to judge how a team's going to do in the NCAA tournament uh, in December in November, it's hard to judge it in February. Frankly, it's hard to judge it until you are looking at the teams that they are going to play. I know everybody knows that that's not some, you know, revolutionary piece of information. But right now, without knowing what teams are going to match up with the Zags, without knowing where they're going to be playing, without knowing the health and status of the roster in March, this is very, very difficult to predict. The important things to see going forward this season are how this team adjusts, not just the players, but the coaching staff as well. Do we see Mark Few and Stephen Gentry and the rest of the staff figure out alternative ways to get the ball into their post players without relying on the guards having to get all the way through to the court, uh, to the three-point line, because they're struggling to do that right now with the big physical guards that they've been facing? Does Gonzaga figure out a way to get more offensive aggression out of their guards because that was a huge issue in the Alabama game was Andrew Nempard and Rasir Bolton and everybody else were seemingly afraid to actually go towards the rim, even though they're elite at finishing around the rim. Do we see, 
you know, Julian Strother get more consistency from the outside? Do we see some of the younger players step up? We've already seen Nolan Hickman step into a bigger role. Does that role continue to expand? Does Hunter Salas earn more minutes? Do we get more usage out of the bigs, the young bigs, Caden Perry, Ben Gregg? And then defensively, do we see this team start to get more aggressive at stopping the outside shot. Alabama seemed to just dribble drive dribble drive the entire game with consistency. Alabama obviously has very talented guards, but Gonzaga is going to face other teams in the NCAA tournament who have the ability to drive and kick. If they don't stop penetration and allow that to continue to happen, they're susceptible to a lot of losses. And then, of course, the three-point shooting, something that Gonzaga has really struggled with the last couple of games. They started out pretty good. Now, not so much. Does that continue to come around? Do we see guys start to get a little bit hotter from the outside? Do we see some of those younger guys who haven't quite started to light it up start to do more of that? There's a lot of questions that have to be answered. I'll go through these one by one, but again, this kind of changes on a regular basis. Um, I don't think Gonzaga is going to miss the Sweet 16. This team is far, far too talented, too well-coached, too experienced. I know a lot of people have, have pointed to their lack of experience, but Drew Timmy and Andrew Nempard are not going to let this team lose in the Sweet 16. Losing... Going into the Elite Eight, or excuse me, going into the Elite Eight and losing, I think is still pretty unlikely. Again, there's a possibility you run into a team that is a really big matchup nightmare for the Zags. Like, they're going to play Texas Tech here soon. Texas Tech is going to be a matchup issue for Gonzaga. And this is the kind of team they could be facing in an Elite Eight. So I could see it. I don't want to say it's crazy. It's obviously not crazy. Very much crazier things have happened in the NCAA tournament to and not to Gonzaga. But I think it's more likely that they will go through the Elite Eight. Losing in the Final Four, just right. Anybody could lose in the Final Four. Anybody could lose in the Final Four. So there's no way to possibly predict what's going to happen there. Just right to make it to the championship game, I still think that's very tenable. And just right to win the national championship. I already said that at the start of the the show. I don't think it's... It is by no means crazy to imagine that Gonzaga still has the roster and the talent to be a national champion. I know after watching them lose to Alabama and watching the Tarleton State game, if anybody watched the Duke game and thought this team couldn't win a national championship, then they were overreacting because losing by three to Duke in a very competitive back and forth game did not give me any pause about thinking this team could still be a national champion. Frankly, neither did the Tarleton State game or the Alabama game, but what it taught me was this team's got some work to do. Fortunately, they got a plenty of time, couple months to do it, opportunity to change some things on offense, tweak some things, potentially going through some different lineups. So I don't think it's crazy to think this team's going to be a national champion. It's obviously really, really difficult to do. And even at the start of the year, it was going to be really, really difficult to do. That has not changed. The picture has become a little bit more clear on some of the things they may need to do, which is what I want to talk about here in the second segment. Before we get there, though, let's talk about today's sponsor, On Location. Let's talk for a minute about kicking things up a notch for the big game, the grand stage, the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 56 at SoFi is less than 100 days away, and On Location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL, is the only place to score a -a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package to the big game. Select your exact seats and choose from elite experiences featuring an exclusive pregame celebration with college stars turned NFL legends Troy Aikman, Marcus Allen, Tim Brown, and more, plus accommodations at five-star LA hotels and food by the great Wolfgang Puck. Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. That's onlocationexp.com slash SB56 or search Super Bowl on location. Today's episode is also sponsored by NetSuite. This is it. 
the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system out there to power your company's growth. With visibility and control of your finances, inventory, HR needs, planning, budgeting, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow as a company, all in one convenient location. NetSuite lets you automate your processes and close out your books in no time while keeping you ahead of your competition. In fact, 93% of businesses surveyed increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite, and right now through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upsuite, upgrade at netsuite.com slash lockedonncaa. Head to netsuite.com slash lockedonncaa for special end-of-the-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. That's netsuite.com slash lockedonncaa. All right, segment two, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags, still going through listener-submitted hot takes like we do every Thursday morning. This section is more about specific players and things people think about them going forward this season. This first one comes from Christian. He says, Andrew Nemhard will meet and exceed expectations in WCC games, averaging 12.6.5 assists, 4 rebounds, and 1.5 steals. I'm going to say right now, as a rule, if you give me very specific statistics, I'm almost certainly going to call it too hot. Now, calling a, a hot take too hot is not necessarily a bad thing. That's something I should have established at the beginning of the show. I don't want people to feel like they have to try to get their takes to be just right. It's fun if you submit takes that are too hot. It's fun if you submit takes that I think are going to happen. It's all fun. That's the point. However, with this one, I do think this is too hot, not necessarily because I don't think Andrew Nemhard will meet and exceed expectations in conference play. I don't think he's going to average 12 points per game. I think that is a massive exceeding of expectations. I think the scoring on this team is going to come from other avenues. It's going to come from Drew Timmy. It's going to come from Julian Strother, Rasir Bolton, Chet Holmgren, of course. I just, I don't think Andrew Nemhard's going to be a big score. I don't think he's going to average four rebounds per game in the WCC. I just, not with the, the caliber of other player on the roster. I would love to see him kick it up a notch. I think it's entirely possible that he does that. This takes too hot just because I don't think some of the statistics are going to line up necessarily, but hey, would be happy to be wrong about this one. This next take comes from Nathan Nation on Twitter. He says, Nolan Hickman will be the starting point guard by the time the NCAA tournament rolls around. Dirty Frank 98 on Twitter had a similar take saying Nolan Hickman will be and should be the starting point guard by the time WCC conference play starts even sooner. So here's the deal with the Nolan Hickman takes. I love Nolan Hickman. I have been very, very open about that on this show. He's a, one of my favorite players on this roster. He's been playing excellent, excellent basketball the last few weeks. He has a kind of poise and calmness about him that is very rare for freshman guards. He doesn't turn the ball over. He makes good decisions. He's a good outside shooter. He's elite at finishing around the rim. He's developing defensively in a way that is, again, beyond his age as a true freshman guard. He does not play like a freshman. Him being the starting point guard, and, and this may be semantics for both of you, so I apologize if that's the case, that kind of implies to me that he starts over Andrew Nembhard, and I, that's just, it's not going to happen. You may think that it should, and I'm not necessarily going to say that I disagree with you, that depending on how Nempard does going forward, but it is not going to happen. Andrew, or excuse me, Mark Few is not going to start Nolan Hickman over Andrew Nempard 
barring some kind of injury to Nembhard or severe, severe challenges to his performance on the court. Like if he gets the yips or something and just is incapable of scoring, incapable of doing what he's supposed to be doing. His performance would have to dip significantly more than we saw in the last few games for him to lose his starting spot to Nolan Hickman in my mind. However, I think it's very possible that Nolan Hickman is starting by the time WCC play rolls around and by the time the NCAA tournament rolls around. I think it's more likely that he takes a starting spot from Rasir Bolton. It's possible he takes a starting spot from Julian Strother, but I think that's a little bit less likely. That's a pretty small lineup to roll out there. They can get away with that in the WCC. There are some games where that might be tough against bigger guards like Alabama's guards. I don't think you start a lineup with Hickman, Nembhard, and Bolton because you're going to lose a lot on the defensive end there. There's a possibility, and Stephen Carr mentioned this on Tuesday's episode, I think this would be a pretty nuclear hot decision by Mark Few, but you could start a three-guard lineup with Julian Strother at the four and have Chet come off the bench. I would be surprised to see that happen. Not as surprised as I would be to see Drew come off the bench. That almost certainly will not happen. But I think there's a way to get Nolan Hickman into the starting lineup. I don't think it happens at the expense of Andrew Nembhard. So him being the starting point guard is a bit of a misnomer. I think if they're both starting, Nembhard is technically going to be the point guard. I don't know how much that matters. I do think it's possible that Nolan ends up starting. I think it might be the right decision. His poise, his calmness, his outside shooting could bring something to the starting lineup. And then having Julian or Bolton come off the bench as kind of these just high energy, immediate get out there and score and transition type guys off the bench might, might be a really nice fit. I think there's a way to make that work potentially for this team. Next up, this one comes from Christian. He says, Dominic Harris will return this season and be a spark for improved overall team play. This is just really hard for me to to guess. I don't don't know. I don't know where he is health-wise. I have not heard an update, unfortunately. That's probably not a good thing, if we're being honest. Um, Looking at what his initial injury was and the expected timeline for other people who've had similar injuries, the earliest those players returned was around when the Duke game happened. The latest those players returned would have put him at the end of this month into January. That was the reported injury. Obviously, there could have been complications then, since then. The reported injury may have been you know, different than what we had heard initially. Who knows exactly? But the fact that we have heard nothing at this point in the season, you know, it's, it's we're getting towards the point where conference play is about to start. The 10-week window, which is kind of the late end of the plantar, fasci- plantar fasciitis injury, is in about three weeks, and we have not really heard anything. That's not a great sign, but I'm going to reserve judgment. I don't know. It's impossible to know. If he comes back, he will be a spark for improved team play. That part of this hot take is very true. He's a great three-point shooter. He is a, a very, very aggressive defensive player. By all accounts, he was one of the best, if not the best, perimeter defensive player on this roster heading into the season. They were had, They expected him to play a big role on this team. I don't know who would lose minutes. My my guess is probably Hunter Salas, but I think they could try to get really creative to find a way to get him into the lineup and playing a lot of basketball, especially if he's back, he's fully healthy, and he's shooting outside shots, something this team really needs. This next take comes from Jacob Quarter 2 on Twitter. He says, A player not named Chet or Drew will be the MVP of the Zags during the WCC and or the NCAA tournament. I like this take. I'm going to say just right. I don't think that it would necessarily happen. I think it would probably be one of those two guys, mostly just for name value. And if they have even decent tournaments, they're probably going to be the favorite to win the MVP. But 
if Julian Strother goes out and scores 20 in the in the championship game, in the, uh, the WCC championship game, he has a very good chance to win it. Same with Bolton. Really, if Nembhard plays like he did anywhere close to against UCLA, he could win it too. This team is still deep. They are still talented. Their whole starting five is talented. They have eight guys who are really talented and can contribute to this team. Yes, they rely a lot on Chet and Drew. And yes, realistically, if Gonzaga goes on a hot streak, those two players probably have a lot to do with it. But I don't think it's crazy to think that somebody else could win an MVP award for this team. Last one for this segment. Two Zags get a double-double in the same game. And one of those is a guard. This one comes from Derek on Twitter. Yeah, I'm going to say this is just right. I think it could definitely happen. A double-double for a guard is not easy. Um, it does. <laughs> this question hinges significantly on whether you consider Julian Strother a guard. If you consider Julian Strother a guard, then this almost certainly will happen because one of Chet or Drew will get a double-double and Strother will also get 10 rebounds and 15 points in a game. If you're not counting Strother as one of the guards, which is reasonable, it's a little bit trickier. Nembhard getting it with assists is possible, although it's not always a given that he's going to get 10 points every single night. Rasir Bolton, I don't really see, he doesn't get a ton of point or rebounds or assists, so that would be tricky. Salas is a great rebounder, but doesn't play enough minutes. Hickman's a great passer, but again, would need to have an increased role to get there in points and assists. Again, doable if he's playing 30 minutes per night, but that has yet to happen. So I don't know that this is super likely to happen, um, but I do think that it is possible to happen, which is why I'm going to label it just right. All right, a reminder, we're going to continue to do Andy Locks going forward this season. I've had a ton of fun with it. I hope you guys have too. Please submit your listener submitted hot takes whenever you're thinking of them. I definitely reach out on Wednesday mornings on Twitter so you can respond to that tweet as well. We got more coming in segment three. Before we get there, though, let's talk about Made In. How does your favorite restaurant consistently make such delicious food? The short answer, they have access to the right kitchen tools. With Maiden's professional quality cookware and kitchenware, anyone is capable of making restaurant quality food at home. If you're serious about cooking, you should invest in your kitchen tools. Maiden's cookware and kitchenware products are used by thousands of the world's best chefs. If quality and craftsmanship is important to you, you should check out Maiden. Maiden is a cookware and kitchenware brand that works with renowned chefs and artisans to produce some of the world's best pots, pans, and wine glasses. Maiden produces professional quality cookware for those who love to cook. They source the finest materials and partner with renowned craftsmen to make premium kitchen tools available directly to you without the markup. Maiden produces products are made to last and they offer a lifetime guarantee. They have 40,000 five-star reviews and their products are used by some of the world's best chefs at Michelin-starred restaurants around the world. Right now, Maiden is offering listeners 15% off your first order with promo code LOCKEDON. This is the best discount available anywhere online for Maiden products. Go to MaidenCookware.com slash LOCKEDON and use promo code LOCKEDON for 15% off your first order. That's MaidenCookware.com slash LOCKEDON using promo code LOCKEDON. Today's episode is also brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline is back and better than ever. BetOnline is a new web interface for the start of the NBA and college basketball seasons and features more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all of the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. 
All right, segment three, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zach, still Andy Locks. Our Thursday segment grading listener submitted hot takes. This first one for segment three comes from Derek. He says, I'm going to get a just right take once this year. Derek, my friend, this is the reason that I finished segment two with that take. You did. You got yourself a just right. I do want to point out that I don't know that that should necessarily be the goal. I'm happy if it was your goal that it was accomplished. But I think that hot takes are sometimes it's fun to be really, really hot with those takes. And if you submit one that I say, hey, that's way too hot, doesn't mean that it's a criticism of said take, just means that I am not necessarily on board with agreeing that that could happen. But I, in some cases, will be happy to be proven wrong. In some cases, I will I will not be happy to be proven wrong, but we will cross those bridges when we get there. This next one comes from Dad Risk on Twitter. He says, a loss to Texas Tech could be a good thing. Could force necessarily lineup tinkering, in, an, in my opinion, that otherwise would not happen. More Strother at the four, more Hickman in general comes to mind. Yeah, so this isn't really a gradable hot take, but I, I think that this is plausible. I think, A, I think a loss to Texas Tech is plausible. They have a big team. They're big. They're physical. They're a good rebounding team, the kind of team that could potentially give Gonzaga some trouble. They're also playing some really good basketball right now, so I think that'll be an interesting game. I would like to see Mark Few and the staff make some of those necessary adjustments before the Texas Tech game or regardless of whether they win the Texas Tech game. If they win the game and they still struggle and they still need to make some of those changes, I hope that they they do that anyway, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But if the loss is what requires them to realize that they need to play more small ball lineups or they need to play Hickman more or, or things like that, I'm all for it. A loss to Texas Tech's not the worst thing in the world. I know three losses in the non-conference within a matter of three weeks would be would be tough to stomach. I understand that. But all that matters is getting those wins in March. This next question comes from Lothar King on Twitter. He says, Gonzaga's insanely long, no WCC losses outside of BYU's St. Mary's streak ends this season. Yeah, so I think this is just right. Uh, what this, qu- this question could have been rephrased as Gonzaga loses to San Francisco because, and I, you know, hopefully this is not a take that comes back to bite me, but I don't think anybody else in the WCC is going to beat Gonzaga. I don't know that any of them have a super great chance of doing so. Santa Clara is the next best team in the conference. I, they don't have the horses, for lack of a better term, since they're the Broncos. <laughs> they, they just don't. I, don't. I don't think that they're going to the other teams, you know, LMU, San Diego. They, they just, I would be very, very surprised. Now, obviously, we saw a Tarleton State team that, in theory, shouldn't be competitive with those teams, be very competitive with Gonzaga. So I can understand the consternation about that. But I, I just don't see it with any of those teams. San Francisco, however, they do have a lot of talent. They have big physical guards, the the, the um, kryptonite for the Zags. They also have some size on the interior, Not certainly not as talented of size as Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren, but some guys who can at least move those guys around and kind of do a little damage down there. I th- have gone on record as saying I think Gonzaga will take care of San Francisco in both games, but they will not be easy. Khalil Shabazz, Jawari Bouye are really good. Todd Golden is a good coach. That is a good squad that they got down there in the Bay. So I think this is just right in the sense that I absolutely think this could happen. I'd be surprised if it's anybody other than USF, but that streak is in jeopardy this year. Lothar King had a second take. This one here, he says, this this team ends the year with the highest block per game average in Fuse tenure. So I actually think this is probably too cold. I think this is very likely to happen. Chet Holmgren is a one-man wrecking crew as a shot blocker. He seems very likely to shatter Brandon Clark's record for blocks in a single season. His blocks per game numbers are extremely high. 
Timmy has started to look much more comfortable as a shot blocker. He had that ridiculous Sports Center top 10 block against Alabama, which was fantastic. He looks he just looks a little bit more comfortable underneath the basket, which is a good development for him as a potential NBA player. It's also a good development for the Zags when he's not on the floor. Anton Watson may not wow people with a bunch of block shots, but he gets a fair amount of them as well. I do think this will likely be Gonzaga's highest block per game average uh, under Mark Few. Next one comes from Christian. He says, the Lady Zags will win the WCC. Yeah, I think this is just right as well. They're not the favorites. BYU is the favorites right now, and I think most people would expect it to be BYU Gonzaga's second, though, and I think they have a very good chance. They've played BYU tough every time they play them. It's always a good matchup between those two teams. Lisa Fortier is an excellent coach. This team has a lot of balance. They have five five or six players averaging between 8 and 12 points per game on the season. That always makes it hard to game plan against them. The Trong Twins are outstanding. Melody Kempton is having a great year as a post. So I could see it. I think I, the, the betting lines are going to say BYU. I understand why they say that, but I think Gonzaga could easily clip them and find themselves in first place uh, come March. This next question comes from Jacob Quarter 2. He says, Gonzaga is going to play angry basketball and use Merrimack as a get-right game. Thus, I am projecting the Zags to win by 25 points. Heck yeah, my friend. I like this. This is just right. I think it could happen. I think it. I, I don't think predicting Gonzaga beating Maryback by 25 plus points should be anywhere close to a hot take because they are probably going to be favored by 25 or more points. I understand why the fan base may be a little bit more concerned about that or not think that they're going to just not take for granted that are going to easily blow this team out. Doing my research on Merrimack, they're a very bad offensive team. They don't have a lot of size. Their tallest guy is 6'8". They really struggle to score the basketball under 32% from three, under 39% on the season. They are a decent defensive team, but I and I think they're going to try some of the same stuff that we've seen other teams have success against the Zags. But I don't think I think Gonzaga is going to be more ready for it, which seemed to be an issue uh, in the last couple of games. And I think they're going to go out there and really just I think we're going to see that classic first five minutes from the Zags that we saw early in the season where they jump out to a huge lead and they never relinquish it. Twenty five plus is hard to judge because if they get out to a big lead, we might see a lot of Caden Perry, Ben Gregg, Matthew Lang, Martinez Arlauskas, those guys in the second half, which could make the actual score harder to predict, but I think Gonzaga is going to take care of business in this one. And then this last take, another one from Derek, he says, one of my hot takes comes true this year. So I'm going to uh, let you guys behind the curtain of the podcast producing process for myself here. I have a note sheet for every day of the week. I have a mailbag note sheet. I have a Tuesday note sheet. I have a WCC Wednesday note sheet. And that's just kind of my process is to edit that sheet every single week, which means that your Andy Locks hot takes are gone. <laughs> I do not keep track of them. I know that you keep track of them. And so if one of your hot takes comes true, feel free to let me know. I will be happy for you. Obviously, you don't need to rub it in in any capacity in those situations. I am just offering, you know, how I think about all these takes. It changes week to week, clearly, as the team continues to do different things. But I hope for all of you, if you're rooting for your hot takes, hey, I hope that you're rooting for your positive hot takes. If you submitted a negative hot take, don't root for it to come true. We don't want that. That's this bad juju that we don't need to get into the into the atmosphere. We don't need that energy out there. But if you have a hot take that you think is going to come true and it does come true and it's a positive one, by all means, send that my way on Twitter, ScoreZag Score. You can email me, andypatton013 at gmail.com. I may not have all of your hot takes written down, but I will remember them if you send them to me and I'm excited to see which of you got some of these correct. All right. Thanks for indulging me on Andy Locks. I appreciate it. 
I'm excited to chat with you all during the game against Merrimack tonight. And we're also going to be reviewing the game for Friday's show, of course. We're also going to preview Sunday's game against the University of Washington Huskies, all right here on the Locked on Zags podcast, available wherever you get podcasts and available on YouTube. Search Locked on Zags. Hit that subscribe button if you have not done it already. You can find me on Twitter at ScoreZagScore. You can find the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Zags. Thank you to all of you who make this show your first listen of the day. Now is a great time to make your second listen of the day, the Locked On Bets podcast. Locked On Bets is your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Locked On Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. All right, thank you all for listening and go Zags.